Lord is good. His presence is here. His word is true, and his spirit is speaking and leading us. Amen? Man, what a series it has been as we have looked into this subject of how God is intentionally, passionately seeking to mature us, grow us up into Christ, into the fullness of the head who is Christ. Our walk is not called to be stagnant. It's not to be mundane. It's not to be boring. It's not to be lifeless. It's not just to be an add-on to our life. It becomes the central part of our life. It becomes what God is doing in our life, this process of maturing us as he changes us from who we are so that we don't look the same as we once did. We don't look the same as we did years ago. We don't look the same as we did last week because we are being transformed, conformed into the very image of Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah, he is freeing us from guilt, from shame. He is freeing us from uncertainty and fear. He is freeing us to love and to forgive. He is freeing us to know truth and walk in that truth. He is freeing us to walk by faith and not by our sight. He is freeing us to grow us up so that we walk in conquering power over sin. That's what he's called us to, to not keep having to battle the same battles, to keep struggling with the same struggles, but to walk up into a new part of life where we begin to conquer more and more of the struggles that we've had before. Amen? So we are more than conquerors. That is not just talk. That's not just Bible ease. That is true living in faith so that I have more victory than I used to have. Amen? That's what we are called to. God is passionate for this. In fact, God orchestrates all of creation and eternity around that end. He is moving and shaping angels, circumstances, time, the events of your life, the people who come into your life, all toward that end. And you say, well, how do you know that? Because Romans 8 says, all things are working together. God is working all things, not just some things, but all things, all of eternity, all of what's here in this earth, all of what's here at this time, he is arranging, orchestrating, shaping, shifting just to bring you and I to a greater likeness of Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing. Amen. He is doing that. And by faith, I can grab a hold of that and say, yes, God. Now, now my life starts to make more sense. Now I have more peace. Now I'm not free from struggles, but boy, I have some purpose in my struggles now. I see what you're doing, God, and I'm changed in it. I can persevere through some stuff if I know that's what God is doing in the stuff. Amen? I can grow up into that. I can learn that. I can grow. I can change. I can be transformed in that. This is what God is doing. And if he is that passionate and purpose-driven in it, then why would we not be? You know, one of the things I, I wanted to say today, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I've struggled with saying it, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think that 
one of the things that God is most passionate about in all of eternity is you being transformed into the greater likeness of Jesus Christ. There might be some things that you might say, well, isn't his desire to shut down the voice of the enemy greater? Not unless it involves you and I being conformed to the image of Christ in it. Well, wasn't the death of his son greater? That was so that you and I would come to know Jesus Christ and be conformed to his image. Well, what about the giving of the Holy Spirit? Wasn't that great? No, that's what fills you so that you can be transformed into the very image of Christ. So, well, what about the salvation of souls? Well, that's the beginning part of how you get to be conformed to the very image of Christ. But this is what he is doing. There's nothing more important to him, I believe, than that. So why would we play any kind of game less than that? Why would we have any kind of energy less than that involved in this process of spiritual adulting? That's why we did an entire series on it, because this is something God is passionate about. And you and I sometimes miss that fact or get led astray by that fact or get caught up in some other things and we miss out on what God is doing in us. But when you have your eyes open to this, when God illuminates your heart to see this, it transforms everything about your life. It changes some things. So when struggles come your way, when a giant shows up in your life and he's breathing threats down on you, and all of a sudden there's something bigger ahead of you than what you've ever seen before, you look at that giant and say, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And you can come at me with what you want to, but I come to you in the name of the Lord and I'm gonna put you down. And you speak true to that giant, you speak to it, and you hurl a stone of faith at it, and that faith stone knocks him down. And that thing that persecuted you, that thing that harassed you, you run up to it, you jump up on top of it, you grab a sword out of his hand just like David did to that giant and you cut off his head. And you say, no more. You will not persecute me. You will not destroy my family. You are going down. Amen? This is what you and I are called to as believers. That kind of bold, confident, assured, purpose-driven, faith-filled life that grows up and being in the army of God. Stop being children tossed about. Amen? Hey, there's giants in the land today, and they are harassing. They're speaking deceit. They're speaking lies. They are harassing. And it's time for us as believers and as the church to say, no more. That's the end. We're done. We will not play soft games anymore. We will do more than just be a church, a body of believers who gathers on a Sunday to feel better about our lives. No, we are gathering under the purpose of God to hear his call and his directions. And as a body gathered, we will march together. Amen? Amen. It's not for another time. It's not for another day. It's not for another people. It is for us, and it is now. Now is the time of salvation, the scripture says. Amen? So our final message in our series today is called, It's Time to Wake Up.
it's time to wake up. I don't know what you use in the mornings to wake up. I used to have an annoying alarm clock that I had beside my bed, and it would go off, and it was, pank, 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 pank. You know, I was like, Ugh! It would get me up because I didn't want to hear that anymore. I wanted to stop. But there are times when we need wake-up calls in life. There are times we need something to shake us, something to call us out of our sleep, something to call us out of our spiritual laziness, out of our small lives, out of our weak faith, out of our sin, and today is that day. I'm believing by faith that God in his word and God's spirit today is gonna wake us all up to something new. Are you ready for that? You ready to wake up to something you haven't been in before? I am. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter five today. This is our passage we're using. Ephesians chapter five, of course, it's near the end of the book of Ephesians. Listen to this. Ephesians, the letter to Ephesus, the church in Ephesus was written to just that, the church. It's written to believers. This is very important in what we're going to look at today. This was written to believers, not lost people. It's written to believers. It's written to the church. It's written to a church to remind them of who they were. And as we get into the chapter five, we're gonna see Paul writing to make this plea Come on, church, it's time to stand up and wake up. We start in verse 8 of chapter 5. And Paul says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Let's look at this for just a moment. You were once, remember, this is written to Christians. He says, You were at one time. Darkness. Notice what he does not say. At one time, you walked in darkness. At one time, you were around darkness. At one time, you did some dark things. No, he says, for once, you were darkness. You and I were darkness. Before you came to Jesus Christ, your heart was dark. You were in of part of and were the darkness. Now, recently in our house, Heather's been on this quest to get our room, our bedroom, pitch black so that at night, if you were to wake up, you wouldn't see anything. I mean, like pitch black because we had curtains and porch lights and, you know, a light from down the hall where we left a light on the kitchen, that kind of thing. And she said, I want it to be totally blacked out light. You know, no light at all coming in the room. So, okay. So we get some blackout curtains. Still light coming in. I get some Velcro put along the edges of the curtain suit. <laughs> Stick it all. So it's like there's nothing coming in there. So there's still a little bit of light. I said, well, okay, well, we'll, um, we'll close the bathroom door. There's another window in there. So we close that door. Well, there's still some light coming in. Well, okay, well, we'll close the bedroom door. No, the cats can't come in then. So I said, okay, we'll turn the lights off in the other part of the house. Great. Uh, I don't mean to make this sound like Heather's complaining or anything. She's not. She's, she's not. She's in the nursery this morning. She can't hear me. So, um, <laughs> and then I had just got this clock that shined the time up on the ceiling 
It's brilliant, you know? You wake up in the middle of the night, you're like, oh, what time is it? Oh, yeah. You, know, you don't have to get up and find your, your watch or your, you know, your phone and click. Oh, no, you just look up and, oh, I had it set on the lowest setting. It's real dim, but at night, you know, we look up, it's 2 a.m. Oh, great. She said, it's too much light. We turn that off. And now, it is pitch black in the room. I mean, I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm like, say, babe, are you still in here? I, I was like, I can't, I can't see. She says, I'm right here. I'm like, where? I can't see a thing. It's totally black in there. Before you and I came to Christ, that is what we were living in, and that's what we were. Totally dark. God was moving around us. God was active around us, but to us, he wasn't there. Because when you are still in your sin, you can't see him. He's not there. Your heart is dark. And instead of loving people, your heart is so dark, you only love yourself. You care for yourself. You do things for yourself. You complain about everybody else. You seek pleasure for yourself. You might do some religious things, but you're doing it for yourself. You are living in complete and utter darkness. You couldn't battle sin if you tried. You couldn't break a habit if you needed to. You can't do any of that because your heart is dark. That's what the Bible says you and I once were. Amen? Once were. If you have come to the place where you have received Christ into your life, if there was a day that God spoke to your heart and showed you grace and you said, yes, Lord, by faith, in that moment, you are light in the Lord. You became something you were not. Just as before you were darkness and couldn't do anything righteous, on the day you were born again, you became light in the Lord. You became something you were not before. You didn't just say, hmm, I think I'll start doing some religious things now. No, if you had any desire to seek after God, it's because God was speaking to your heart. And on that day when you were born again, you became light in the Lord. You became something brand new. You had new desires. You had new hope. You had new vision. You became light. And when you become that, you start doing some new things. And Paul says to this church, to these believers, you have become something that you were not before. You are now light. You are forgiven. You are loved. You are accepted. You have been given the gift of righteousness. You have been called. You have been chosen. You've been made holy. You've been made blameless. You have been made the temple of the Spirit of God. You have become light in the Lord. Amen? This is who we now are in him. We were something, but now we are not that anymore. We are now light in the Lord. Are y'all with me this morning? That's, that stuff should fire us up. All right, we got some more work to do then. So you were once dark, now you are light. And so here's what Paul says next. If that is true of you, he says this, walk as children of light. In other words, do what you are. 
walk what you've been made. If you have been made light, now walk as children of the light. Walk in that. This is your new standing. Your standing with God now is one of peace, is one of security, is one of love, is one of his righteousness given to you. This is now your standing. And this standing is important because sometimes you and I get caught up in our current status and we forget our standing. Those are two different things. You see, I might, have, I might need to update my status in a day and say, not feeling so good today, having a bad day today, going through some struggles today. Look here. If you're a child of God who once was darkness and now you've been made light, you might have a status that says that, but that is not your standing. Your standing is light in the Lord, secure, permanent, loved, secure in Jesus Christ. Don't confuse your status with your standing. People get that confused. They get caught up in where they are, in their struggle, in their fears, in their worries, in their circumstances that are not going like they thought. And that's their status. And some people get all upset because they think this is their standing instead of just their status. My standing says I am secure, I am loved, and God is working all things together for my good and he is growing me up in Christ. Now, in that standing, I can face a status update that says, hey, I got some struggles. But this struggle I'm in, that's not me. This is me. I am saved and redeemed and holy and chosen and beloved by God, and he is working all things together for my good. That's my standing. This is my status. It's important that you separate those two things. You see, the world's trying to twist all that today. Psychology is trying to twist all that today. For example, you might from time to time, as all of us do, have someone hurt you. And when that happens, you might be tempted to be angry and bitter at those people, at your circumstances or events, right? If that happens, it's very important that you and I remember that is a status that's not my standing. I'm loved and forgiven and God is working all things together. Don't let anyone tell you, listen to me, don't let anyone tell you, oh, it looks like you have an anger issue. It looks like you have an anger identity problem. It looks like you're just an angry person. It looks like you've been identified, labeled, and called an angry person. Those are two different things. Having an anger issue is different than saying, I am an angry person. You hear me? You're owning a standing that says I can never break free from anger and bitterness and resentment because that's just the kind of person I am. Instead of saying, look, I'm angry. I'm bitter. God, would you help me with this? God, I repent of my bitterness and my anger. It's not who I am, I know. 
And so I will repent of it so that I can do, I can walk as I am. Hey, those are important. That's an important distinction that the world doesn't want you to own today. The world will try to tell you the opposite. You have issues. You have labels. You have this. You can't ever break free from this. You're going to have this the rest of your life. No. This is who I am in Jesus Christ. I will own all of that. I'm not going to listen to what the world says about me. I'm not going to listen to what every certificate on a wall in an office says about me. I'm not going to listen to what friends say about me. I'm not even going to listen to my urges or temptations and what they say about me. I can have an urge or a temptation and I can repent of that urge and temptation and be who God has called me to be. Do you understand? There's a difference between your standing and your status. And you and I are called to walk out in our status what our standing is. Those are two very different things. We're called to stand in the fact that we are redeemed. We've been chosen by God. We are forgiven. We are given the gift of righteousness. We are called accepted in the beloved. We have been given purpose in Christ. And I have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That is my standing. And I'll judge my status every day by that. Amen? Amen. Now, let me just tell you something technical about what's coming up in the, in the verses here. Paul's writing a sentence, and sometimes Paul, like you and I do, sometimes put a little parentheses thought in. Have you ever done that? You're writing in a sentence, and you think, I need to say this, uh, but I need to have the context here. So when you put a little parentheses in, you say, oh, yeah, this. That's about to happen in this verse, but with your permission, I'm going to take the parentheses out for just a moment so that we can see the sentence in its entirety, and then we're going to come back and see the parentheses. Is that all right? So here's what the sentence says. Walk, you were once darkness, now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, next part, verse 10, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. That's how the sentence reads. We'll come back to the parentheses, just hold on it. But this is important. You were darkness, now you're light. Walk as children of light, and here's how you live your life now. Finding out what is acceptable to God looking for what is pleasing to him. Seems simple enough. Look for what pleases God. Look for what he gets excited about. Look for what he is passionate about. As simple as that sounds, it's often not how we live our lives. Instead, here's what Christians sometimes do. Instead of living to find out what pleases God, they live in fear of what might not please God. Now, those are two very different things as well. It's one thing to say, God, what do you want me to do? You want me to do that? Great, I'll go do that. That's one way. Or another way to live is, oh boy, I don't know what I should do. I'm afraid that if I do that, it might be prideful. I don't want to do that. I mean, it could be, it could be guilt. It's, I don't know if that's guilt or not. I mean, it could be, I better be careful. I don't want to sound like, you know, I, I don't want to do that because that could be dangerous for my life. And I don't know if that's really God's will or not. Do you see what's happening to me? 
I haven't moved once because I'm stuck in trying to figure out what is unacceptable to God instead of knowing what is pleasing to God and walking in that. Hey, those are two very different things, but it's crazy how much the enemy uses that to immobilize Christians. And they get stuck in this terrible loop of, is that fear, is that anxiety, is that prideful, is that selfish? I don't know if that's selfish or not. Well, it could be selfish. I mean, I'm thinking about, I'm seeking the Lord, but it's about me. I don't know, you know, is there peace? I don't know if I have peace with that or not. You see what's happening? I just get stuck in this moment of indecision. I get stuck in the moment. You know what I'm stuck in in that moment? My status and not my standing. My standing is, I have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. My standing is, the Spirit of God is within me. My standing is that the spirit inside me is leading me. And so if he puts an urge in my heart, go with it. If it's consistent with truth in the scripture, walk in that. Just go forward in that and stop saying, well, I don't know. I mean, that could be selfish if I do. That could be arrogant. If I, I don't want to be arrogant. I mean, I, you know what could happen if I'm arrogant. So many Christians, they get stuck in that little repetitious, dangerous cycle. What if? What if? Could it be? What if that happens? What if this happens? Is it prideful? Is it not? Is it greed? Is it selfish? Is it? And if you get stuck thinking about wondering, is that selfish if I do that? I mean, I don't want to be selfish, but if I think about my, I'm thinking about myself this moment, but I'm praying to God, is that selfish? You know what you just become in that moment? Consume with yourself. The Bible says, here's how you defeat all of that mess. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's simple. Walk in what God says you are. I'm redeemed. I'm transformed by him. He's working all things together for my good. His spirit is within me. He's called me to walk by faith. I have his word. Let's go. And I walk in that. When you walk forward in what God's called you to, you'll say no to a million things that are trying to get you to go backwards. One yes is worth a million no's. If you're still back over here trying to fight all of these no's, you'll never walk forward with a big yes. And this is what gets people stuck. This is what causes people to wear out. Because that stuff, it keeps your head spinning. It keeps your emotions locked up. It keeps you going nowhere in your faith. It keeps you stuck. It keeps you fearful. It keeps you tense. It keeps you filled with anxiety. It keeps you filled with nervousness. It keeps you filled with worry. And you know what people like that end up doing? They look for something to relieve the stress and the fear and the anger and the worry. I got to have a drink. All that stuff's weighing me down. Oh, your faith issues are so bad that you've got to figure out something else to relieve your pressure and stress? Wrong. You're taking the wrong approach to it. If you need alcohol, drugs, lust, greed, money, or something else to soothe your faith issues, you've got a faith issue for sure. You've got it all backwards. Do you hear me? Know who you are in Jesus Christ. Stand in that. Walk in the Spirit. And you won't have to worry about all that stuff of the flesh, amen? 
He's called us to walk in victory. He's called us to walk with purpose. He's called us to wake up and find out what is acceptable to the Lord. Find out what's pleasing to him and boldly walk up in it. Here's the parentheses part that we passed over that is just so beautiful. He says, for the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of you listening to that Spirit, the evidence, the results of you listening to that Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. You're trying so hard to be righteous. You're trying so hard to be good. You're trying so hard to walk in truth. And he says, if you'll just listen to me and walk in my spirit, in your standing, the results will just unfold before you. You'll have righteousness. You'll do, you'll end up doing righteous things because you will do what you believe you are. And if you believe you are insecure, afraid, depressed, under the control of sin, can't break free, wearing a label, if that's what you believe, that's what you'll keep doing. You will do more of that stuff. But if you'll shake all that and listen to who you are in Christ... I am redeemed. I've been given the gift of righteousness. I have been saved. I have a purpose for my life. God's called me. You will do those things. You'll walk in it, and you'll have the fruit of it. Paul goes on, and he says this. And have no fellowship, friendship, with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Mm. He says two things here. He says, you probably need to get some new friends. You don't need to keep running with the people and the parties and the places and the beliefs that are making you live in defeat. If that's what's happening, you need to walk. You need to get some new friends. You need to find some people who are walking in faith. You need to find some people who believe the truth. You need to find some people who will encourage you in that faith. And you need to separate yourself from those who are discouraging, from those who are bringing you down, from those sources, whether they be flesh and blood or they be electronic on the media, on TV, on the computer, whatever they might be, whoever those are that you're connecting with that are keeping you weighed down, you need to cut off that fellowship with them. You need to break it. You need to walk away. And here's the deal. It's time to call them out. It's time to expose them for what they are. Those thoughts that say to you, you are condemned, you are rejected, you are guilty, you are shameful, you are filled with anxiety, you are filled with depression. All those voices that say that stuff to you, you need to shut them out. You need to say, look here, no more. 
You come to me with a, a spear and a sword. I come to you in the name of the Lord. That's what you do, just like David did. Look, a seven-year-old boy came to me this morning, this morning before the service. His mom brought him to me. And he said, I want to be baptized. That's awesome. Let's talk about this. I said, have you prayed and asked Jesus into your heart? He said, I have. I said, well, tell me about that. He said, well, listen, seven. He said, I hear voices in my head telling me to do wrong things. And I asked my mom. And she said, you need to pray to Jesus and ask him to help you change that and for him to come into your heart. He said, so I did. And now I hear Jesus talking to me and not those voices. Dude. <clears throat> Seven-year-old speaking truth that a lot of us <laughs> have yet to reckon with. That little boy, Michael, is going to be baptized right here in about three weeks. Amen? Yeah. I say in about three weeks because we already have baptism scheduled for some children on the 11th and 18th already. So we're going to have three weeks coming up of children being baptized who have sincerely, genuinely, I believe, put their faith in Jesus Christ. And we're going to celebrate that. We're going to encourage them in it. Amen? This is what you do. This is what a church does. You come alongside them. You celebrate. You encourage them. This is what we are put together for. I know during COVID times, we couldn't always be together. But I'm going to tell you, there is power in us being together. There's something about us physically sitting here together right now to know you are with other believers, to know that the Spirit of God is here amongst us. We're worshiping, we're hearing, we're moving as a church together. That is important. The Bible commands it, and you and I are to walk in it. We didn't just say, hey, we all aren't doing anything on Sunday morning. You want to get together and sing some songs and hear a guy talk for a long time? Sure. No, we are doing exactly what the Bible has called us to do. There is power and importance in us being together. Part of us being together is to call out the enemy, to call out the voices that keep us asleep, even in the faith. He goes on in verse 12 and he says, for it's shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, these spirits these voices, these workers of darkness who do evil and wicked things thinking God does not see and God does not hear and God does not know. He says they're, they're so shameful we won't even mention them. But what they're doing is despicable. The voices that are speaking today, deceiving leading people astray, calling them away from the goodness of God, calling them away from the truth of God. He goes on in verse 13 and it says, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Who is the light in this passage? Do you remember? 
we are. We are the ones called to speak. We are the ones called to give off light, walk in the light, be the light. This is not our time to come here and act like we're light and walk out that door and hide that light. This is the day, this is the time, this is the purpose for which you and I have been called. You didn't show up in this century, in this generation, in this nation by accident at this time. You are here by the design and intention of God. And shame on us if we hide our faith at this time. We are the church of the living God called to speak the truth at this time, to be the light, to make manifest what is destroying people, to make manifest what brings truth and hope to people. We alone are that voice in the world today, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says next, therefore, therefore it says. Paul likes to do this a lot. Build up some monumental foundational truths. Remind us of who Jesus is. Remind us of who Jesus is in us. Remind us of who we are in him. And then he always puts a big therefore. Now, therefore, as a result of all of that, based on some truths, here is something. Here is what we must do. Here is a truth. Here is a way to apply this. And therefore, this is why Paul says next, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, I want to remind you what I said at the beginning. Who is this letter written to? The church. He's not writing to people who are not saved. Some look at this verse and say, oh, he's talking about people that are lost. They're dead. No, he's writing to the church. One of the churches doing better in the New Testament than any of the other churches. And to that church, Paul said, hey, it's time to wake up. You were dark, now you're light. Walk as children of light, seeing what's acceptable to God and walk in that. Wake up, he says. Stop it with just the boring, mundane, lifeless, stare at a wall faith. Do something, wake up. You need someone to shake you and wake you. This is that moment, hello? Now, if you're following me along in the New King James Version, you just realize this is not the New King James Version. I switched to the English Standard Version for this one verse because I just love the way it says, oh, sleeper. I just love the fact that he calls out the one who's asleep because you see, um, when you're sleeping, I don't know what position you get in, but I like to get in my bed and lay on my back or on my side or on my stomach. When you are asleep... You are assuming the position of death. Hello? You're alive. You're breathing. Your brain may be active. You can still exist while you're asleep. But when you're asleep, you can't tell what's going on inside your house. You can't tell that there's cats walking around on your bed. 
You can't tell that your wife got up at 2.30 to go have a bowl of cereal in the kitchen and came back an hour later because she had to watch an episode of Little House on the Prairie in the middle of the night. I don't even know that because I'm asleep. Hello? Some people are believers. They put their faith in Jesus Christ. But they are smack dab out. They are asleep. They're going through the motions. They're doing the things. But they're asleep. Activity is happening around them. They don't know it. You tell them, hey, did you sense God there in the room this morning? Uh, uh, maybe. I don't know. Huh? Did, did you sense that there was some spiritual danger that, you know, that could happen to you? Uh, I, I don't know. Hello. Wake up. There's spiritual danger happening all around us. If you and I are not alert today, you'll be sucked into the world system today and you'll walk away from the faith that's in the Lord Jesus Christ that's been handed to us from the saints of all that's written for us in the word of God. It's dangerous today. You better wake up to what's going on in the world and you better wake up to the truth that's who we are in Jesus Christ because we have a higher calling. We are the ones who've been called to take hope and life and truth to this world today and it's time we wake up into all of that, yeah. When you wake up into it, the light of Christ will shine on us and we'll see what to do. I want that. I want to be awake personally. But I want us to be awake as a church too. Man, I want us to be the most vibrant, alive, passionate, purpose-driven, seeking God's will church that there is. I want us to be the church that's speaking truth into the world today. I want to be the church that people come to for answers. I want to be the church that people come to to find faith in Jesus Christ and their life completely transformed. Not that other churches can't be that place, but I want to be that church, amen? I want to be that place. I want us to be those people. I don't want us to walk in mundane, empty, just barely make it through the week. I'm hobbling back into church, just barely making it. Hello. My vision is for us to be at a place where when Sunday gets here, we're like, dude, I got to get to church. I got some celebrating to do. I got some truth to proclaim. I got some ministering to do. Let's go. Amen? This is who you and I are called to be. I pray this series and this word today from God's word is a wake-up call for you. It is for me. And I want to make room for whatever God has. I want to be available to be whatever he's called me to be, do whatever he's called me to do, and go wherever he's called me to go. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you from your word that you've called us to more, more ahead of us, more in faith, more in life, more in being transformed to the very image of your son, Jesus Christ, more passionate, more alive to your spirit, more walking in obedience, more faith-filled, more purpose-driven than we've ever been before to be the church, the pillar in the ground of truth who grows up and who's not tossed around by every wave and wind of doctrine that's out there, but stands in truth, proclaims the truth, and leads people to the truth. I pray we would be that today. 
that here in this moment, we'd wake up because your spirit's calling us. You're speaking to us right now. You're calling us to new levels of faith, new levels of hope, new levels of obedience. And I pray every one of us would take that step in our heart right now. Jesus, whatever you want, we're there, we're in, we're moving forward. We're leaving the past behind. We're leaving behind all those old ways. We're moving forward in faith to what you've called us to. No more of the old, all with the new. No more of all the speculation, the doubt and the uncertainty, but all the yes in you, God, from this point forward. We will be your people, God. We will be the church. And all God's people said, amen. Stand with me as we sing together and worship.